Section twenty eight of Monsieur Lecoq, part one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Evans. Monsieur Lecoq by Emile Gaboriau, part one, section twenty eight. A French investigating magistrate is possessed of almost unlimited powers. No one can hamper him, no one can give him orders. The entire police force is at his disposal. One word from him, and twenty agents, or a hundred if need be, search Paris, ransack France, or explore Europe. If there be any one whom he believes able to throw light upon an obscure point, he simply sends an order to that person to appear before him, and the man must come even if he lives a hundred leagues away. Such is the magistrate, such are his powers. On the other hand, the prisoner, charged with a crime, but as yet unconvicted, is confined, unless his offense be of a trivial description, in what is called a secret cell. He is, so to say, cut off from the number of the living. He knows nothing of what may be going on in the world outside. He cannot tell what witnesses may have been called, or what they may have said. And in his uncertainty he asks himself again and again how far the prosecution has been able to establish the charges against him. Such is the prisoner's position. And yet, despite the fact that the two adversaries are so unequally armed, the man in the secret cell not unfrequently wins the victory. If he is sure that he has left behind him no proof of his having committed the crime, if he has no guilty antecedents to be afraid of, he can, impregnable in a defense of absolute denial, brave all the attacks of justice. Such was, at this moment, the situation of May, the mysterious murderer. As both M. Segmuller and Lecoq were forced to admit, with mingled grief and anger. They had hoped to arrive at a solution of the problem by examining Polite Chupin and his wife, and they had been disappointed, for the prisoner's identity remained as problematical as ever. And yet, exclaimed the magistrate impatiently, these people know something about this matter, and if they would only speak. But they won't. What motive is it that keeps them silent? This is what we must discover. Who will tell us the price that has been promised Polite Chupin for his silence? What recompense can he count upon? It must be a great one, for he is braving real danger. Lecoq did not immediately reply to the magistrate's successive queries, but it was easy to see from his knit brows that his mind was hard at work. You ask me, sir? he eventually remarked. What reward has been promised Chopin? I ask on my part, who can have promised him this reward? Who has promised it? Why, plainly, the accomplice who has beaten us on every point. Yes, rejoined Lecoq, I suppose it must have been he. It certainly looks like his handiwork. Now, what artifice can he have used? We know how he managed to have an interview with the widow Chopin, but how has he succeeded in getting that Polite, who is in prison, closely watched? The young detective's insinuation, vague as it was, 
did not escape Monsieur Segmuller. "'What do you mean?' asked the latter, with an air of mingled surprise and indignation. "'You can't suppose that one of the keepers has been bribed?' Lecoq shook his head in a somewhat equivocal manner. "'I mean nothing,' he replied. "'I don't suspect anyone. All I want is information. Has Chupin been forewarned or not?' Oh, "'Yes, of course he has.' "'Then if that point is admitted, it can only be explained in two ways. Either there are informers in the prison, or else Chopin has been allowed to see some visitor.' These suppositions evidently worried M. Segmuller, who for a moment seemed to hesitate between the two opinions. Then, suddenly making up his mind, he rose from his chair, took up his hat, and said, "'This matter must be cleared up. Come with me, Monsieur Lecoq.' A couple of minutes later the magistrate and the detective had reached the depot which is connected with the Palais de Justice by a narrow passage, especially reserved for official use. The prisoners' morning rations had just been served to them, and the governor was walking up and down the courtyard in the company of Inspector Gevraud. As soon as he perceived M. Segmuller, he hastened toward him and asked if he had not come about the prisoner May. As the magistrate nodded assent, the governor at once added, "'Well, I was only just now telling Inspector Gevraud that I was very well satisfied with May's behavior. It has not only been quite unnecessary to place him in the straight waistcoat again, but his mood seems to have changed entirely. He eats with a good appetite, he is as gay as a lark, and he constantly laughs and jests with his keeper.' Gevrol had pricked up his ears when he heard himself named by the governor, and, considering this mention to be a sufficient introduction, he thought there would be no impropriety in his listening to the conversation. Accordingly, he approached the others and noted with some satisfaction the troubled glances which Lecoq and the magistrate exchanged. M. Segmuller was plainly perplexed. May's gay manner, to which the governor of the depot alluded, might perhaps have been assumed for the purpose of sustaining his character as a jester and buffoon. It might be due to a certainty of defeating the judicial inquiry, or, who knows, the prisoner had perhaps received some favorable news from outside. With Lecoq's last words still ringing in his ears, it is no wonder that the magistrate should have dwelt on this last supposition. "'Are you quite sure,' he asked, "'that no communication from outside can reach the inmates of the secret cells?' The governor of the depot was cut to the quick by M. Segmuller's implied doubt. What? Were his subordinates suspected? Was his own professional honesty impugned? He could not help lifting his hands to heaven in mute protest against such an unjust charge. "'Am I sure?' he exclaimed. "'Then you can never have visited the secret cells. "'You have no idea, then, of their situation. "'You are unacquainted with the triple bolts that secure the doors, "'the grating that shuts out the sunlight, "'to say nothing of the guard who walks beneath the windows day and night. "'Why, a bird couldn't even reach the prisoners in those cells.' "'Such a description was bound to reassure the most skeptical mind, "'and M. Segmuller breathed again.' Well, now that I am easy on that score, said he, I should like some information about another prisoner, a fellow named Chupin, who isn't in the secret cells. I want to know if any visitor came for him yesterday. 
i must speak to the registrar replied the governor before i can answer you with certainty wait a moment though here comes a man who can perhaps tell us he is usually on guard at the entrance here ferrault this way the man to whom the governor called hastened to obey the summons do you know whether any one asked to see the prisoner chupin yesterday yes sir i went to fetch chupin to the parlor myself and who was his visitor eagerly asked lecoq wasn't he a tall man very red in the face oh, excuse me sir the visitor was a lady his aunt at least so chupin told me neither m segmuller nor lecoq could restrain an exclamation of surprise what was she like they both asked at the same time she was short replied the attendant with a very fair complexion and light hair she seemed to be a very respectable woman it must have been one of the female fugitives who escaped from the widow chupin's hovel exclaimed lecoq gevrol hitherto an attentive listener burst into a loud laugh still that russian princess said he neither the magistrate nor the young detective relished this unseasonable jest you forget yourself sir said m segmuller severely you forget that the sneers you address to your comrade also apply to me the general saw that he had gone too far and while glancing hatefully at lecoq he mumbled an apology to the magistrate the latter did not apparently hear him for bowing to the governor he motioned lecoq to follow him away run to the prefecture of police he said as soon as they were out of hearing and ascertain how and under what pretext this woman obtained permission to see polite chupin end of section twenty eight recording by don evans w w w dot don m evans dot com